Coming to you from the Philadelphia area, this is the Westchester Church Podcast. Nobody hit me to that dude. All right, we're going to be in the book of Genesis this morning, Genesis chapter 4. This, of course, is the account of those very first two people who called each other brother. As we all know, of course, this is the story of Cain and Abel. One had been a farmer, the other one had been a shepherd. And on one particular day, they had both both brought offerings there before God. God had regard for just one of those offerings and for the other, he had no regard. So we pick up in Genesis chapter four, and I begin at verse three. It says that in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So in verse 8, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And you know, whenever Cain's name shows up in Scripture, or it ever is referenced in um, amid conversation, it's just one of those names, much like Jezebel, much like Judas Iscariot, where whenever we hear names like these evoked, what comes to our mind is cautionary tale, is a tragic um, personality, a tragic figure, and. As we just were witness to in this text, Cain has just asked what is by far one of the most infamous questions that has ever been recorded in the pages of history. Now, it was intended to be a very dismissive reply, a very sarcastic statement that he's making to God, but, but as, as Cain implies that he is not his brother Abel's keeper, though, there is a sense in which he is absolutely right. I mean, really, what is he expressing to God? It's, it's my brother is a full-grown man. He does not need me to be his babysitter, his caseworker. No, he, he is perfectly capable of taking care of his own problems, of his own life, whatever it might be. And as for us in the church, really, the exact same is true for us. In that you and I cannot be baptized for another person. We cannot enter into that process of repentance or transformation on behalf of another. But rather, everyone must choose for their own selves who they will follow, whose name their, their knee is going to genuflect before. And yet, as we see in the text, though, it really all begins with Cain and his rejected sacrifice. I don't know if you've ever wondered before, why exactly, I mean, what exactly was it about Cain's offering that God finds so unacceptable? 
I think really we can narrow it down to Cain's attitude as he worships God. We see a lot of pride welling up in his heart Well, where it seems like he is so absorbed in, God, I have done this. God, I have made all of this happen right here. And it appears as if he is almost of the attitude that I am going to impress God. God is going to owe me at the end of this. And yet as his offering is rejected, what we see is envy welling up in him. This is a precursor to what we see later on in Scripture of, as the brothers of Joseph are very envious of him, we can hear the, the absolute hatred in their words Let's kill our brother, and let's see what becomes of all of his dreams then. And so they go and they, they sell him, and they, in so many ways they are given over to deception. It's what we find later on, as King Saul hears singing out of the window, and, and women in the street are singing the praises of another. And this causes King Saul to be completely consumed in envy, and, and he wastes years of his life trying to kill King David. And yet what we find most of all wrong about his attitude, though, is that there is an absence of reverence as he worships God. And yes, we see it in his brazen question that he asks God, am I my brother's keeper? We also see it in the way that he thinks that he can actually hide his brother's murder from God, as if, I have no idea where that guy wandered off to, God. And yet, we especially are witness to it in his sacrifice, though. Because notice what his brother Abel is doing as he worships God. Earlier on in the text, notice how Abel brings God a surplus of his firstborn of the flock. He's giving God, as it says in the text, all of... All of um, 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 fat portions, it says. Now, if I could translate this to 20, you know, our, our modern day English, it would be that he is giving God the absolute best of his absolute best of his absolute best. And yet, as we see with Cain, though, as he approaches God, he is the exact opposite of this. And what we learn from Cain is that as we approach the living God in worship, we should never bring soggy avocados to his altar. We must never bring moldy cucumbers and say, here, God, this is in honor of you. And as you and I offer God the sacrifice of song, of our time, as we use the, the abilities and the talents that he has given to us in the lives of others in this world, we need to also be like Abel, and we, we too must also offer God our very best, of the very best, of our very best, and to do so with all of our hearts. What Abel is doing as he's worshiping God in so many other words is what, what he is silently communicating to God as he brings his best is, God, I love you. God, I love you so much. And I need you so much. I am nothing without you. And so everything that I am comes from you. And everything that I have comes from you. No, you are the one who made all of this happen. And now I am giving you a sacrifice, a true sacrifice of praise. 
Cain clearly has a belief in the existence of God. And yet his heart is so sick, though, as he worships, having pride and envy and disregard for his brother. And yet if we could answer Cain's question, though, of am I my brother's keeper, the answer is emphatically yes. We are our brother's keeper. And yet, as he asks God this question, really what he's saying is that my brother is not my problem. Abel is not my responsibility. And it's interesting that in the original Hebrew language, that that word for brother's keeper, it can mean a caretaker, it can mean a protector, but it especially means a guardian who is guarding something unspeakably expensive and of tremendous value. And you see, this is what Jesus has made every single one of us by his grace. Whereas the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Rome, what he says is be devoted to one another with brotherly love. He says to outdo one another in showing honor to our brothers and to our sisters. It is a commitment that we are to have to our fellow Christians as, as John writes in 1 John, that we even reach a point where we would be willing to lay down our very lives for our brothers and for our sisters. As the Apostle Paul also writes elsewhere at the Church of Corinth, he explains how God has comforted us through our trials and tribulations so that one day we can also be a comforter of other people we encounter in the church. And I just find that so unspeakably valuable and beautiful, where if we're a person who has come out of substance recovery, or we are just now coming out of of a transition of widowhood, if we are a person who is struggling or, or who has struggled in the past with clinical depression, and we see another person just now entering into all, all of those, those some things, we can say, walk with me, that I know this journey very well. And so let's walk through this together. And yet greatest of all, what we saw just last week was Jesus answering that that question of who is my, my neighbor with anybody and everybody is our neighbor. And that we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. As it says also elsewhere in Scripture, that as long as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And I guess the question that I'm wondering this morning is that if loving neighbor as self is so crucial to the Christian life, and if it's true that our neighbor is anybody and everybody, then how much more should we love, value, and care for the household of faith? and for the people of the heavenly kingdom of Christ Jesus. And we spoke about it a week ago, how so oftentimes there are all kinds of people in our world, even in the church, who are lying metaphorically half dead in the gutter. Where, where one Christian sees another Christian who is, in, who is clinically depressed, and what they say is, just snap out of it, just man up and get over it. Where a person is is enduring a devastating loss in their life of a beloved person. And what one Christian says to another Christian is, 
just get over it and, and move on with your life. Or as a lot of people in the church, I imagine, I hope not, but, but a lot of people of color in the church, a lot of them are hearing is, all lives matter. So just cry me a river and get over it. And you see, when we do this, not only is that not, not helpful to our brother and to our sister, but, but it is a modern day way. It makes us modern day priests and Levites who are stepping over our brother and our sister and who are passing them all by on the other side. And so, yes, we are our brother's keeper. And yet, last of all, what we see in all of this, though, is that this is not even the, the largest question in this text. Now, if we look very closely, God answers this enormous question of Cain's with a brutally honest, enormous question of his own. In fact, God is asking Cain five questions around his one or two questions where he's asking Cain, Cain, why are you so angry? Cain, why has your face fallen? He's trying to get Cain to express out loud, I am angry because I am jealous that my brother's sacrifice was regarded rather than my own. God says, if you do what is right, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And I believe what this means is draw near to me, Cain, with gratitude, with reverence, and with love for Abel, who is your brother. And your sacrifice will be regarded by me. And as we see in the text, though, what comes after this are absolutely chilling words and, and a chilling warning as he says, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it, God says. And yet, sadly, he does not answer those questions honestly. This is when he kills his brother, as we all know. And then at last, what comes after this are absolutely chilling questions God is asking Cain. Where after he has killed his brother, verse 9, God says, Where is Abel your brother? And then in verse 10, he says, What have you done? He says, the voice of your brother is crying out to me from the earth, from the ground. And I guarantee you that those last two questions haunted Cain until his dying breath. And yet, did you know, though, how that word regard, as it says, God regarded Abel's offering? What this word means in the Hebrew language means to gaze upon and to render speechless with awe. And you see, what this means is that we mesmerize the living God when we worship him with humility, with gratitude, with reverence, but especially when we worship God and we feel a love for every single person who is in our sight. And so I just want to ask us in closing this morning, are we worshiping God? I mean, are we really sacrificing our absolute best, of our absolute best, of our absolute best? Or are we just flippantly tossing soggy avocados on the altar when we sing, when we pray, when we give, when we use the abilities that he's given to us? 
My brothers and sisters, every single son and daughter in the body of Christ is a treasured masterpiece of Christ of immense value. And so therefore, let us continue, never stop growing in, advancing in the ways that we care for one another, in the ways that we build up each other rather than rip each other apart, in the ways that we value one another, that we pray together, sing together, go through tragedies and rejoicing alike together. And that just like the first century church, that we live together and that we die together in Jesus' name. So I just want to ask us that we ask ourselves on a daily basis, where is my brother? Where is my sister? And that's because after all, I am my brother's and my sister's keeper.